Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast, where our mission is to provide woodworking education for all levels and all types of woodworkers. To find out more about the Modern Woodworkers Association, visit us on the web at modernwoodworkersassociation.com or follow us on Twitter at MWA underscore national. Now to our host, Tom Iovino, Diami Palatki, and yours truly, Chris Adkins. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this, the 40th edition of the Modern Woodworkers Association online discussion about all things woodworking. And today's special guest is really special to us woodworkers. It's Roy Underhill. But before we get to him, let us, let's introduce our usual panel. First, I'm Tom Iovino of Tom'sWorkbench.com, and I'll be your host for the program. Joining me today are Chris Adkins from High Rock Woodworking. Hey, Chris, how you doing? Great, Tom. How are you doing, man? Hey, you know, so far, so good. Any night you get a chance to interview Roy Underhill, I mean, that's a big deal. So, so I'm kind of jacked for this. You got it, brother. <laughs> and, uh, and also joining us uh, is Diami Palaki from the penultimatewoodshop.com. Hey, Diami, what do you say? Hey, Tom. How you doing? I'm not too bad. How you doing? <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm struggling to see the far through the trees these days. Well, I just wanted to say, it started for a second there, I was starting to do a Harvey Keitel impersonation. So, <laughs> hey, how you doing? Got to make it sound right. Well, you know, enough of the intros because we know who we are and uh, we know who's listening out there. So uh, let's talk a little bit about what's in the shop. Uh, Chris, what's going on in your shop? Have you had more shop time recently? I, I did. I got to spend a little bit of time in the shop this weekend. Um, I've, uh, I've, I think you guys have known I've been doing some stuff with Highland. So I actually spent last Friday um, at Highland Worker Woodworking for the entire day uh, working on some stuff with um with with those guys and the um, and and that was fun. Uh, the Highland yep. woodworker doing some stuff with that, and then so I actually got back in the shop on Saturday and got a little bit of woodworking done and got the shop cleaned up and had some stuff I needed to record. So uh, yeah, I've, I've actually had a little bit of time this past week. Nice. Did you actually build anything, or did you just take pictures of you pretending to build things? <laughs> I I have a project that uh that I've been working on, and it, it's just one of the numerous ones I've talked about on here a couple of times. Uh, a box that I'm doing, so I had some resawing to do uh, on some um on some stuff. So so I got the resawing done. So I did do a few things in in actually woodworking and not just pretending <laughs> like I was woodworking. Excellent. You know, it's, it's, it's almost like one of those catalog shoots, Chris, really. You're just kind of in that position to actually <laughs> get right. woodworking done and, you know, it looks really good. So, uh, you know, hey, if we have to start to see product come out of your shop again, that's going to be awesome. Oh, I actually have to keep stuff coming out. So <laughs> then I just get made fun of if I don't. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. If you didn't, if we didn't make fun of you, Chris, you'd have something to worry about. You got it. <laughs> Diami, what's been going on with you? Well, I have been neck deep in a quilt rack build for the past couple of weeks. Um, and, I've got a hard deadline of it has to be given on Saturday, and this is for my wife's best friend's engagement gift. So my wife fully endorses the pro- the project, which means that I have fully abandoned my family to work on this 24-7. <laughs> I've actually been attempting to leave work early, which means I've been actually walking in my door at 5 p.m. and getting right to work on it. So um, another couple of really long nights, and it'll be done. But it's starting to take shape. I got to use that, that Kelly jig you recommended. It worked out fantastic. And I've been doing lots and lots of sanding. It's a big sculpted rack with then a, a box underneath it that's going to have a drawer in it. So a couple a couple more days, I'll have that posted. It should look pretty cool. You know, hey, just remember, one step at a time, okay? You get it done. You just keep moving on it. Keep everything keep everything moving ahead. And uh, you should have that thing done. Hopefully, we'll have it by the next time we uh, we talk. Oh, it, well, it's going to be done on uh, on Friday night because it has to go to an engagement party on Saturday. So I may not go to bed Friday night, but it'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like rushing those projects at the yeah. last minute. 
And you know what I'm saying? Say I'm motivated. And you know what I'm saying? Woodworking. If it wasn't for the last minute, what would really get done? Okay, come on. What about um, you, Tom? Me? Well, gosh, I mean, it, it, it's so empty in the shop. Um, that metal and ribbon rack that I built for my friend out in Yuma, Arizona, his daughter, uh, it, it delivered. Nice. And, uh, wow, what a, what a nice piece. Um, she, uh, I've put a picture of it up on my website of, uh, of, of Sydney, the, my friend Kevin's daughter, um, all the ribbons and metal she won. And that thing is covered. I know I should have built the thing twice as large. Um, it was, it was a beast to ship, but I, but I, she could have easily filled up something even larger than that. So, but I mean, the picture of her smiling in front of that, just with all those ribbons and metal she won in those swimming competitions, that really made it for me. That's the kind of thing where you see that Memorial Day, we had talked about, uh, the St. Pete Woodcrafters Guild building some, uh, uh, urns for indigent veterans. Um, I have, since I'm between projects right now, I figured I would, I would knock one out. So I've got the oak, uh, I'm building it out of, I'm milling it up right now. And, uh, hopefully just, uh, you know, maybe this weekend I'll get that knocked out and we'll have that one good to go. So that's what I've been keeping busy with. Right. A couple of good projects. That, that, uh, that ribbon rack came out just gorgeous. Hey, thanks, man. That was, uh, you know, it's nothing like, you know, seeing it's, well, the best thing was when my friend Kevin took a picture of it after it had shipped across country and it was still in one piece. Beyond that, <laughs> everything was gravy. <laughs> You know, my fear is that you're going to get toothpicks, you know, big box of toothpicks at that point. And you have to glue them back together. You know, it's, it's, but it, but it all worked out. That was the best part. So very happy to hear about that. Now out there on a big wide worldwide web with, uh, with woodworking, we've got some other things that piqued our interest. Um, Diama, you mentioned something about, uh, what Steve Ramsey's doing for woodworking for mere mortals. Yeah. Over, over in his post, woodworking for mere mortals. It's, it's now, I don't know, four or five posts back already. He posts so often, but it's from September 26th and it's a post called Abigail building the garden bench. And it's about a seventh grader named Abigail who builds a bench for her agricultural, agricultural experience class, apparently. But, uh, nice. it's, a, it's a bench that he had featured in one of his videos. And it's just really cool to see a seventh grader. I'm not even going to pretend to guess I would know how old a seventh grader is, but she's older than my kids. And, uh, it came out really nice. She painted the whole thing. And in the, uh, in his post, he's got the step by step pictures of her building it and just a really neat little project. And she's just so beaming about having me. You see this last picture. She's sitting on it and clearly proud of what she did. She should be. And I just, it was just a nice post to see somebody getting into it at that age. No, I saw that. That's great. That, you, you know, anytime we've got kids getting involved and stuff like that, I mean, that's, that's kind of what, you know, we've always pushed and stuff. So, uh, if you haven't checked that out, I mean, definitely that's a really cool project. And, you know, that's the, that's the best part about that post is that, you know, you've got somebody who's younger is coming up. Um, you know, if anything you guys could do out there to encourage that, uh, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, if you know the little person in your life, you know, just kind of bring them out to the shop and just get them introduced. Uh, show them what you do, show them how they can build something and, you know, pick a project that they might be interested in building. And you never know what you're going to end up with. I mean, you can end up with a woodworker for life after that. It's the way to do it. Hey, and what's our friend Mark Hochstein up to over at uh, Gunpowder Woodworks? Well, Mark just took a class with uh, with Brian Boggs to make um, – I don't know which of Brian's chairs it is. I'm sorry. I don't know the names of his chairs. It's, it's a ladder back chair of some sort. It's one of the chairs he was talking about when he was talking at um, Fun Woodworking Live. And Mark got to go to Brian's shop and take the class. And I believe they, only, they do classes with only two participants. So it was a rather small class with lots of detail and just talking about the experience of, of building it. And, um, it's neat. I found the post really neat for two, two reasons is that first, just sharing about the experience taking a class like that was really cool. But one of the tricky parts of the chair is making the mortises in the angled components of the chair. And in his blog post, Mark describes exactly how they did it. And I don't think it really takes anything away from the 
class because I'm not going to pretend I could make it just have, having read the blog post. But it, it kind of demystifies it, and I thought that was pretty interesting to, sh- to share those components of the, of the chair build. It was a beautiful chair. I did see it on there, and uh, it, it's, it's pretty interesting because he – I guess that uh, Brian teaches part of the class, and he's got another guy that teaches the class at times also. So um, it's a great little great, – great experience. I know that uh, – but just beautiful chair, though. It is absolutely gorgeous, and it made me wonder. Um, I, I apologize; I don't remember the gentleman's name. Jeff, maybe? I think it is Jeff. Jeff. I think it's That's Jeff. Right. Yeah, Jeff yep. Lefkowitz mm-hmm. is an instructor at the class, and mm-hmm. it was during the class that Jeff got on Twitter and started posting about the classes. Uh-huh. And if I remember right, it was Mark taking a class with Chuck Bender, who got Chuck onto Twitter during that class. So we just need Mark, uh, Mark to go around and take classes with every woodworker who's not on Twitter, <laughs> and ultimately they'll all be there. And eventually they'll all be assimilated. We'll have world domination. <laughs> That's, <right. laughs> That's the goal, isn't it? Right. At least I th- last time I checked, it was on our mission statement. <laughs> all right. Um, just so you know, yeah, I cannot believe it's that time of the year again. But woodworking in America is coming. It's here. It, it is. Yeah, it, it is. is we here. are. We are within a few. We're two weeks here now of actually being there. And uh, this is kind of an exciting time of the year because, you know, this is like one of those big summit events. You bring people from across the country, from around, you know, from, from outside the country. A lot of Canadian woodworkers come out. And uh, we're going to be in uh, Covington, Kentucky, which is, again, just south of the uh, south of the city of Cincinnati. Um, and uh, we're having our annual meetup initially so everybody can get together. Um, we're going to be at the Keystone. It's a it's a bar and restaurant that's uh, just very near the convention center. It's a couple blocks. It's a ten minute walk. It's it, yeah, but even if that, I mean, and uh, it's it's right there. We've always done the past couple of years. We've done this. It's been a great chance for everybody to get into town, kind of announce you're there, and kind of meet up with everybody after a year. Um, again, uh, market calendars. It's going to be Thursday, October seventeenth, and we're going to start at seven p.m. and who knows when we're going to finish up. And it's, um, just, it's going to be very casual like it was a couple of years ago. Just come, have a drink with us, grab some food if you want. You don't have to eat. Uh, it's not going to be a formal dinner or anything. And uh, anybody who's there, just come and, and get together. And that'll be, like Tom said, on Thursday. But also don't forget, on Saturday, we're going to come back to the Keystone for the Wood Talk Online event that they're having at, I want to say, 6 o'clock on Saturday. So we're going to we're gonna book and... Woodworking in America with the two get-togethers at Keystone. They should both be fantastic. Yeah, and if you're you're if you're up there, I mean, please don't be shy. Come out and join us because uh, you know the more the merrier. We we want everybody that that's around coming up. So come on. And, and Tom, if we go to Keystone on Thursday and then again on Saturday, where do we go on Friday? Hmm, I'm thinking there's a beer house somewhere with our name on it. <laughs> there's a table that needs dancing. <laughs> yes, there's a table that needs dancing upon, and I'm just the guy to do it. And they love when you dance on the tables, by the way, at the brew house, just so you know. Oh, they you're going to enjoy yourself, Chris. Dig it. Uh, it's going to be so much fun. So so, so enough about table dancing. What do we yeah. got next? Well, you know, you know, with Woodwork in America coming, you know, there, there's there's a number of instructors who come out. It's just really just big names in woodworking. Uh, Frank Klaus. Um, just, you know, you go down a list of people, you know, uh, Megan Fitzpatrick from Popular Woodworking, Glenn Huey. They have so many, but there's one who just stands out of us, just the dearest place in our hearts, Roy Underhill. Roy, you're joining us today. How you doing, Roy? Hey, guys, party on. All right. <laughs> Rock on, dude. <laughs> All right. Sounds like you guys have been working hard. <laughs> well, we're hardly working, that. but... <laughs> 
<laughs> hey, Roy, I've, I've got to tell you something. So I told my dad that, that Roy Underhill and was coming on our show. And, you know, I'm from North Carolina. So North Carolina, especially, you know, with all the our public television, you've kind of been around that a lot. And, um, you know, I, I told him I was come. You were coming on, and he says, "Well, that's great." He says, uh, "He says he's not quite as famous as Robert Redford, but almost." <laughs> <laughs> that was so name. darn close. <laughs> he said uh, he's close enough. I I offer real blood on my show. Though. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Fake, yeah. No. So, Boy, I'm so, looking forward to the WIA. I've got a. Uh, uh, Great old friend of mine, uh, Peter Ross, the former master blacksmith at uh, Colonial Williamsburg. He was there when I was there, and he is coming to talk on iron, you know, hardware, making nails. Now, if you want to get hardcore guys, start making your own stinking nails. I didn't realize Peter Peter was going to be there. That's awesome. Yeah, he's actually a brilliant uh, mind in this work and uh, has uh, real insights. Next to he and Brian Boggs are two of the smartest people I know in this business. And uh, Peter just knows so much about the emergent process, how to grow uh, the thing that you're making in the old way instead of having, uh, you know, measurement precision. He, Peter follows me, same thing. They just understand that old path of woodworking. It's wonderful, folks. Looking forward to it. Most definitely we are as well. You know, I mean, yeah. Roy, I, you know, uh, one thing I, the one thing, the, the best memory I have of you was back in 2009 when the, uh, the conference was in Valley Forge and we were at a, uh, you were at a dove, you were doing a, giving a dovetail talk and I was sitting at the end of a row and unbeknownst to me, you took a gigantic chest that had hand cut dovetails in it and you just laid it on the lap of the first person in line. And we passed this giant chest down the line and I got to me and you're, you're telling people, okay, look at it, pick the piece up, turn it around, look at it. And it lands on my lap at the end and you start making your point by pounding down your hand on top of the chest while it's rusting. And I'm just, at this point, I'm hyperventilating laughing just with this whole thing going on. Roy, you, you incorporate so much humor into your woodworking. I mean, do you Uh, think that's like one of the best things about what you do? Oh, oh God, that, that, I gotta say that passing around the giant thing is one of my favorite gags of all. The- <laughs> <laughs> it is so stupid. <laughs> so fun. Uh, this time I'm gonna be, uh, I'm bringing a tree. I am bringing a tree. <laughs> and I'm going to show how to, you know, how you drop the darn thing, how you start squaring it up with axes, broad axes. Uh, so again, hardcore stuff, man, you want to do it all with axes. That's what it's about, but it's great. When I finish, I can say, all right, now let's pass this around. <laughs> this is like a 400 pound log. <laughs> at, at, at the end of the conference, Roy, will you end up with just a square log or are you actually going to go through the steps of actually turning it into something by the end of all the days? It, it, it'll just be, well, I've got, uh, I've got to make a mystery mallet, but I hadn't thought about that. You know, I could make a giant, a big ass mystery mallet. <laughs> A about six foot tall, weighing about 400 pounds. That would be cool. Swing that, that would be cool. Swing that one. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's quite something. Uh, Peter Follinsby and I uh, about got thrown out last time because we were splitting shingles uh, going up and down the giant escalator there. <laughs> that was against the rules at the convention center. You know, those uh, people can be really pains in the, you know, real, real sticks in the mud. I'm telling you. I know. Well, I know. It's great. I think, 
that giant escalator would be the perfect photo opportunity for that giant mallet. <laughs> <laughs> what if it got loose and somebody was smashed by a giant mallet that tumbled down and escalated? How would you explain that? No, but nobody would believe the explanation. Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, well, good. I'm, I'm glad glad to hear you've got that thing shipped across the country in one piece. Uh, man, that was that was pretty amazing. I, I was and I trusted it to, to, you know, I went brown and I trusted it to them and uh, they delivered. So I was very happy about that. I uh, I realized I could have probably bought a, a first class airline ticket for it and had, <laughs> had drinks served to it. For probably a little less money, but uh, but they did they did manage to get it there across the country, Roy. That was hey, you know that's a that's a big deal, you know, shipping across country. But you know what are you going to do? You got to be able to do that stuff. We, Not yeah, everything we, is local. No, that's it. We have the same thing. Our, our, our students come into the school from all across the country, and we got to ship back, you know, these big tool chests and uh, workbenches and stuff. And oh my god, <laughs> but somehow it all works out. They, they get back to Peoria or wherever they go, and there they are. They're ready to start working. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Uh, hey, we had an uh, interesting visitor uh, last week. Tom Lee Nielsen came down to visit the school and was uh, looking in. There was a big tool meeting, and uh, he was looking at new ideas for Lee Nielsen tools. So just just <laughs> pretty exciting to uh, see see his mind working as he yeah. picked up things and contemplated and and you're working as the test lab, basically, right there. Well, you're the R and yeah, you're the R and D division, right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is really interested, you know, in growing. I know they've got a um, a plow plane coming out. That's going to be cool. That'd be nice. Yeah, yeah. It's it's going to be a, it's going to be a pretty thing. So, now, oh, now, it's, now, Roy, I mean, you're you're all of like 28 years old, and you've been doing you know the woodwright shop for your entire life. Um, pretty much. Pretty, pretty, pretty much. I think you were like six months old when you started it, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I was in. I was in my twenties. You were in your twenties. Twenties, yeah. When I started, this was back in the days of silent television. <laughs> <laughs> so everything was all hand signals and pretty much. We tried, pop, yeah. So, so how did you get started, man? I mean, what was the what was the way you got started and all that? Oh, I needed a job, and this was the you know just the only thing that wasn't taken was TV woodworker that cuts himself a lot. Uh, and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I I gotta tell you the truth. When I was a kid, and I had a little, you were talking about kids earlier. When I was a kid, uh, woodworker and made things. When I was twelve years old, I remember doing an imaginary woodworking TV show in my basement wow. where I grew, you know, and so, you know, I'm 12 years old. This is like the, uh, there was no, there was no such thing as a woodworking TV show, but I was doing one like a kid. So go, don't go figure. Wow. I don't know. So how did all that come about? I mean, was well, that I had finished my uh, graduate work in studies in this early technology. And I did a, I found out there was a, um, oh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, a loophole in the recording for a thesis that instead of uh, doing a written thesis, you could do a live presentation. Hmm. Well, yeah, that's what I did. So I did a live presentation of this, swinging an axe and, you know, doing all this stuff and hewing and sawing and, and hemming and hawing. And somebody afterwards said, you know, that would work on TV. And I went, bingo, I bet it would. And then it just took a lot of uh, just, you know, 
<laughs> I finally went into the PBS offices and I took my axe with me. <laughs> that is what I think turned the trick. How to win friends and influence others well, by Roy Underhill. He wanted me out of that office pretty quick. Uh, so <laughs> the only way to do it was to say, yeah, put a tribal, shoot a pilot. Sounds great. Okay, thanks. <laughs> <I'll call you. laughs> so, so you grew up around woodworking? I mean, is that how you kind of got started in, in know, learning all this? I just always enjoyed, yeah, always liked making things when I was a kid. And uh, it's so funny. We have a, a pencil sharpener on the wall at the school, uh, at my my little little school. And I always remember when I was a kid, I always tell folks, you know, when I was, I remember being in, when I was a, in elementary school, I just loved using the pencil sharpener. <laughs> <I just loved>. <laughs> <laughs> and the teacher would have to say, Roy, get back in your seat. You've sharpened 19 pencils. <laughs> <laughs> but it was woodworking. And it was the only thing. It was thing early woodworking. It was. Yeah. It was the only thing I got to do, you know, that was working with your hands and make something. And I loved it. And I just kept on. That's all there is. Lucked out. <laughs> Did you ever think yeah, I, that it would go on this many years? I, you know, I believed in it. And so it's one of those things that be, uh, I'm, I'm actually not too, so I'm sure I'm glad because I'm not qualified to do much else. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, yeah, well, we're hiring woodworking comedians. Uh, yeah, good. We have a bunch of things, right? You talk uh, so about how you, we've been lucky. So. You talk about how you believe in it, Roy. And I think that the defining characteristic of the way you the way you teach it and the way you show woodworking has to be just your your enthusiasm and the fact that you you do love it so much and it just comes through everything. So well, and it's true. I'm a, I am a true believer. And this is the odd thing the the concept for the Woodwright Shop and everything was about when I started this in the uh, so long ago. The idea was that it was set in the future, not in the past. Mm -hmm. This was a better tomorrow rather than some kind of nostalgic yesterday. Hmm, I was looking at a time when people had you know, started working with their hands again. So, so how much has that has changed since you started that? Do you think? Yeah, I think it's boy, it's it's changed greatly. A uh, lot, a lot of young. You know, I was looking at the age uh, of our students in a class the other day. Christopher Schwartz has had a lot to do with that. He's made, somebody said, uh, you know, he's made it cool for <laughs> younger so folks. Does. Yeah, for a new generation. But uh, our, our classes uh, running around 42 is the age in one of the last ones. Now, that's incredibly young. You look at the subscribers to these magazines, uh, the print magazines, they're in their late 60s. Right. And so it's moving younger and younger all the time. So uh, that's just been a big change. Yeah, and that's that's something that's interesting for you know for all of us. We we we've always looked at that a lot, and you know we hear people say all the time that you know it's it's kind of a an aging an aging hobby and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean we we see a lot of it because we do a lot of stuff through you know online blogs and social networks and stuff like that. And you know, if, if it's not some of the crowd that we're pulling in, some some younger people, I, I don't know that you necessarily have all that. So no, no absolutely. Uh, so I'm seeing many more people interested in it. Uh, a lot more resources around. You couldn't get these tools that you can get now. Uh, so it, it's just been, and you know, I got to say, like a lot of it, uh, it's been going on a long time, but. When I started, it was that back to the land movement in the uh, 70s. You know, everybody was 
off to Woodstock and, uh, you know, living in the teepee. Well, I did all that stuff. Yeah, that was great. You know, whole earth catalog. This is all for you guys time. But. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's, this is, this is, we were going to save the earth and, uh, you know, uh, do it ourselves. Well, that's come back strong. So that's the one yeah. thing I've learned in the historical, uh, perspective on this. It is cyclical. It comes and goes and we're in an up cycle of right. the interest in, uh, handwork again. So it's great. Well, I'd like to, I'd like to go back to a point you made earlier. You said that you steered the Woodwright shop toward not a nostalgic look, but look into the future. Now, when you, st- when the Woodwright shop began, we were in a little bit of a, uh, there, there was, there was, there had been a lull in hand tool manufacturing, uh, in quality hand tool manufacturing. Oh, yeah. Uh, the big, the big company, Stanley, they, record, they had all pretty much gone to just, you know, very inexpensive, cheaply made tools. And there right. wasn't that, you know, that, that, you know, classic turn of the century Stanley bedrock plane or anything to go to. Um, now you see this upswing and, and, and part of the upswing is, Part of the downside of the upswing is that some of these are very boutique tools. Um, you're seeing, you know, very high prices commanded for some of these tools. Oh, yeah. What, I mean, shed a little light on this. You know, do you, do you think that this is going to be an impediment for people who are trying to get into this or, you know, yeah. can, you know, is it something along those lines or? No, I, I don't think so because there are so many, uh, inexpensive user antiques out there. Okay. Uh, you know, so anybody who's interested in getting in, or doing it can do it on the ultra cheap. I mean, a hundred bucks and you're good to go on all of this, uh, all the tools to fill a chest. Uh, if you look around, good vintage user tools are, are out there. Now I look at the super high end ones. Uh, you know, the, I got to visit, uh, Lee Nielsen's foundry and how they work in the shop there. And my God, mm. it's worth every penny. Of course. <laughs> yeah, just incredible quality. Now here, if somebody's got the wherewithal to support, you know, bringing another one of those tools into the world, they're going to be around 200, 200, 300 years. Uh, so there, every time one of these is made, the world is a better place. But <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, so I'm real optimistic and uh, I love it. I, I always work on the real cheap and uh, the students, they bring very high end tools, but that's because they've got jobs <laughs> and do it, uh, do so this. You're saying they're legit, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I'm always borrowing tools. Hey, can I try that? You know, super low angle jointer plane, solid bronze with the rosewood handle that you have there and that beautiful green sock. I mean, I did that today, you know, the, uh, Borrowing the students' tools because that's what I needed. But why not? But you know the difference. The, the difference too, and we've talked about this on here before. Is you, you know one of the things is you know a lot of it comes with the experience of taking these old tools and knowing what these old tools you know a little bit of care and and kind of working on these to get them to be like they need to be. You know, a lot yeah. of times you pick one up at a flea market or something like that. You don't know. So um, right. So you know, for for a lot of guys, I know they're they're picking up the more expensive ones and stuff. And at times it's, it's picking it up. And I know for myself, I, you know, I kind of started into the hand planes picking out more of the, the more expensive ones. But then I went back and bought some older hand planes because then I saw, okay, this is, you know, what it should feel like and, and was able to go back to some of the older ones. Absolutely. Yes. Boy, that's, that's great. Uh, yeah, that's why another reason to borrow tools when you can. So you can see, <laughs> you see how one of these go. 
Yeah, what you need is to befriend somebody who really takes care of their tools and, and buys nice stuff and then just start borrowing. <laughs> Work next yeah. to them, the next bench. <laughs> and borrowing or that is that you need something. You really need to know how good these things can be. Right. Yeah. yeah. Borrowing or buying when you're getting started, I think you need you need a tool that's set up properly and working properly so you, you know what it is you're aiming for when you get that used one that you have to restore. If you just start off with the used one, you don't know what the what the finished product is like. It's only going to frustrate you. Right. Well, that's, you know, that's one of the great things with uh, you were talking about uh, Highland uh, and going by there in Atlanta. Uh, there's a place you can put your hands on the, on the tools and try them out and they'll help you. Uh, right. You know, uh, check them out and let you use them first and see. Uh, boy, no, that, most definitely. What a great that's resource! Like, yeah, that's like walking into a candy store for a, for uh, for woodworkers. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Well, they've got it all there. They've got the the Chris has got the classes and uh, the you know real great hand tools and been a real leader in this. And he's he's from that old generation like me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I won't. I won't tell him you said that. No, no. man. Oh man, no. He's been, been really just done. Uh, been a huge part of this. He and uh, and of course Joel uh, at Tools for Working Wood up in Brooklyn. They're really yes. innovating with new yeah. tools. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was a piece yeah. of work. <laughs> well, I just just you know, it's great people. Uh, saw makers all around now. Have you ever seen so many uh, back saws being made? Oh, that's amazing. Oh, it's great. Mm -hmm. So now you got me all worked up, guys. <laughs> <laughs> that's our job. <laughs> Basically, Roy, our, our, we, our mission today is just shake you up and let you run. Now <laughs> <laughs> be wound up. Oh, boy. Uh, get, where's my axe? Here. <laughs> we just want to hear that in the background while you talk to us, okay? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the part, you know, part, Roy, if, if people are looking to get into starting with hand tools, and we've got people who, you know, we're, I, I run an event every year called uh, Get Woodworking Week, basically trying to get people off the sidelines, get them into the shop. And some people don't want to drop $2,000 on a new Unisaw. You know, maybe they want to learn the hand way, and they probably should learn some of the hand tool methods. Um, wh where would you, where would you advise people to start? Where would you advise them to dig in? Oh my gosh. Uh, you can spend two thousand dollars on a more than that. A, I think you can't buy a Unisaw for two grand these days, Tom. It's over three. I'm sorry. It's it's. I was a little low in the estimate there. What what is this? What is this thing? It's a giant powered saw. Oh man! Uh, first of all, you got to tell them to pound. No, we use alcohol. Real men use alcohol powered tools. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing. Gotta, this is. You gotta get okay. the ethos right, man. You know, it's okay. like. Hold, uh, hold on, Roy. I gotta, uh, I gotta write this down and put Roy's rules up. <laughs> there you are. Well, well, we do have an alcohol powered podcast. So, so. <laughs> All right. Right. Well, there you go. What your tools should be too. No, it's, it's like using, uh, remember when, uh, Luke Skywalker was, uh, when Obi-Wan gave him, uh, his father's lightsaber and said, you know, it's not so crude a tool as a blaster, but a more civilized tool from a more, civilized time or something like that. Right. Any, yeah. Are you yeah, sure it's, not Alec Guinness? Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. In any, all right. Where, where was I? You say, where do you start? You yeah. know, you talked about a Unisaw, uh, but uh, I remember lighting hands on an old Diston D9 ripsaw. 
and I sharpened it. This is decades and decades ago. And the magic of that wonderful ripsaw working for me, I looked at that thing and said, man, you and I, we can make a living, you know, just the two of us together. <laughs> you and me saw we're, we're in this and I still have it and use it. And it's still my pride and joy. And I still, you know, every day working with that wonderful saw. And so what, you know, what does that little hand rip saw do for you? Uh, just, well, of course, just the utility, you know, what it, uh, I guess people use table saws for just dimensioning stock down the length of it. But to have that power of a hundred, 120 sharp chisels in your hand, working, ripping down the wood. Ah, uh, I've got to go be alone, I think, now. For <laughs> you need a moment, don't you? No, it, it really does put you in touch with something uh, very deep in ancient. But it, it get yourself a damn ripsaw. That's what I'm saying. You know, forget all the, the hocus pocus. Get a ripsaw and start ripping some wood. And then learn the difference between a ripsaw and a crosscut saw. <laughs> So I think the panel saws in a jack plane and uh, picking up chisels, you know, and just 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 get them. Even if you've got this, if you got three thousand to spend on this big power thing, you can put <laughs> thirty, forty bucks into these things and just put them aside. You never know. <laughs> yeah, you get to that moment, you want to give it a shot, and it's 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 just you know, it's a it's a whole different experience. It, it really, yeah. when you think about it, it's an entirely different experience. It's, you end up with the same product, but there's a totally different way of getting there, a total different experience it, it on is, the way. Got, exactly. It's quieter. It's safer. You've got, and you've, uh, the journey is, uh, a great part of the art of it. You know, the process of getting there is as much a part of the art as the thing you make. Right. And so it, I don't know, it just enriches lots of your life, I think. But, you know, I, there I'm, I'm trying to, it's like I'm trying to sell folks on it. You know, <laughs> these tools will find you. That's I, I should stop all this stuff because the tools will find you when you're ready. They're they're they know you're out there. Well, you know, <laughs> they're, and, and with, they're, but they're just waiting for the right time to pounce. <laughs> I think so. I think there's you know uh, uh, those old uh, wonderful. Think of it. There's this 1874 distant D9 ripsaw with an applewood handle and the brass buttons. And it's just waiting and saying, I need a human being. I'm going to go find one. I think the saws, I think the tools, they have their own uh, web shows. They're talking, saying, where are we going to find a human? Well, go get one. <laughs> Tune it up. Tune it up. I love it. Yeah. So I think the tools have to tune up the humans. Maybe that's the issue. You know, what's interesting is a lot of people say that, you know, you'll hear people go that, oh, I'd love to do woodworking or, or you know, some kind of hobby or something. I just don't have the room. But, I mean, you know, like you're saying, though, if you're using some of these hand tools, I mean, you can take, uh, you know, your your famous tote you're, you're known for carrying around and with enough tools and that and, and build a ton of stuff from it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and it's true. And if you saw your finger off with your own hand ripsaw, then you're overpowered with the alcohol too. I mean, <laughs> the motor on the motor on all these hand tools automatically detects contact with human stops. So that, that's pretty amazing older. technology. Think about that. Yeah. 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 I know, yeah. uh, I know Tom Fitch, uh, posted a uh, post probably like a year, year and a half ago. I saw that was something like that. And it was, it was basically something about, he was, he was talking about his new invention of a, uh, you know, kind of the uh, equivalent of a saw stop, and 
And so he had basically the picture was him holding a handsaw against his fingertips. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was fle- flesh detecting technology. <laughs> yeah, well, it's actually, you know, I've had some boy I had a fellow stick a chisel all the way through his hand. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, oh. about two weeks ago. Oh, uh, see, but you know, that's it, it, we. we Kept going. So. Yeah, but he still had the hand. That was the point. He still had the hand. Yeah. So, oh man. Uh, so, but no, you're right. They're they're smaller. They're less expensive. They make you healthier as you use them. You get stronger. And you know that's one thing you talked about the the tools. You get the old tools. They may not be uh, tuned up, and you think, well, this can't do it. Well, even if you get a new one, they do use muscles. I mean, they're mm. relying on your body to have the strength to not only power it, but to control it in a really, really, you know, uh, intimate way. I don't want to say a precise way, but a really responsive way. And you just, you've got to build up the muscle power mm. to take, you know, it's not a big deal. You don't have to be a strong man, but you need that power to control the, to uh, be able to be responsive on top of this stuff. Right, and it takes time muscle. to build strength. Yeah, and it's a lot of muscle memory, just that repetition. There you are. Hey, Roy, exactly. you know, it, it, Roy, just just one point. It, it, a lot of people will knock on hand tools because they said it's just so much effort. It's a lot of hard work and effort. But really, when you work with when you yeah. work with a well tuned plane and a well tuned saw, the effort really isn't all that tremendous, is it? No, no, it better not be. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, it it it's. Not tremendous. It shouldn't be tremendous. And, and it, you learn things like keeping the uh, mutton tallow on the bottom of the planes. If you don't, or have a around to rub on the bottom of the plane or on the side of the saw, it's going to be harder. And that's what, you know, was always done. People have forgotten that you, you keep these things, uh, greased up basically when you work mm-hmm. with them. And that, you know, little things like that make it so much easier. Then you learn to use them right, you know, using a rip saw at 60 degrees to the surface of the wood or to the flow of the grain. Uh, all of those things make it easier once you know. Hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm all excited again. Damn it. <laughs> that's, the, that's the idea. We're excited. <laughs> well, along these lines of, of using the tools, if you know, you got somebody who's – really excited about woodworking and wants to get into it and it wants to, to, to learn to use these tools. Is there a particular project or particular exercises that you find are good at people just starting off that both give them something to hold up to say they built and teach a lot? Is, is there one you always fall back on? Well, you know, the, uh, it, all, it always ends up being dovetailing, doesn't it? Uh, you end up dovetailing boxes and I look back, that's how I started and didn't have any money as a uh, student and got uh, old furniture, uh, busted up furniture drawer sides. And I do- start, taught myself to dovetail boxes and made those as uh, Christmas gifts and sorts of things. So that's where I think it begins. You start making things and it goes from there. Uh, but we're teaching now, we have a five-day class where they make a toolbox and it covers, you know, you've got the dovetailing on the sides, sure, but you also, to put the bottom in, you've got to tongue and groove the wood. You've got to uh, plain moldings for the skirting and then do the mortise and tenon work for the lid. So the, I think these are great exercises. We chose that because it covered such a range and then... Then the student has a tool chest that they're taking off with them 
Uh, so that, that reinforces the activity right there. Oh, yeah, they go gosh. they go home with a home for their tools. Oh, you bet. Yeah, yeah. It, it also. I think that's a really good thing because it does cover much of the language of woodworking. You're doing mortise and tenon work when you're doing the paneled lid. You're doing edge-to-edge joinery in the bottom of the chest. You're doing dovetails around the sides. And you can do cabinet work inside if you want to do the uh, fittings and such. Uh, so that, that's, you know, that's, uh, that's a good place to start. And then you can start making furniture. Set yourself up. Give your tools a home. <laughs> <laughs> Looking for a good tone, but to spring on somebody when you need a good home after that. Um, yeah. As far as a uh, specialized shop uh, apparatus, of course, a workbench is a critical piece. Mm-hmm. Um, but but as far as sawing, I know that, you know, you cannot hop up on a workbench and start sawing if you're going to be rip sawing stuff or cross cutting, right? You want a lower kind of bench to work kneel from. on, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so I mean, do you have, I mean, what would you recommend for people to start off with something like that? I mean, is there a simple like you oh, build a, yeah, yeah. a step uh, or something? Or Christopher Schwartz, I know, is, uh, teaches making uh, saw benches, uh, and that's been great. Um, I think a lot of the books have plans for sawing benches. Uh, the uh, ones that were textbooks for schools, if you can get the mm-hmm. old books. Uh, they have how to make these wonderful sawing benches or at least uh, drawings of them that you can uh, easily work from. So, yeah, sawing bench is great. And that gets you into chair building uh, right there. That's a, <laughs> that's a short chair is what it is. <laughs> and you chair without a move bag. on to that. Yeah. And this is what's just so wonderful about the woodworking. You talked about the, the inexpensive tools, the expensive ones. Uh, People do uh, working with fresh cut wood. Uh, Brian Boggs working with, uh, you know, real fresh uh, organic way he does with uh, the material. I think uh, the trees are still like, alive when he uses them. Yeah. Uh, people use cut dried stuff and do casework and joinery. You know, the, what I'm getting at is the woodworking is such a big world. It doesn't matter who you are. You can find yourself in it and your place. There's an <laughs> <laughs> and whatever opinions you end up with about sharpening and dovetail angles, there's room for that too. So. Now, one thing that that, that always interests interest us, and we 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 ask, you know, most all of our guests that come on is is just, you know, most of us, you know, we've got somebody that's inspired us along the way, and uh-huh. you know, you you have inspired so many woodworkers and stuff out there. You've been around this so long. What about you? I mean, is if have you had some people along the way that is kind of inspired and kind of led your work to the direction that it's that it's taken? Well, I can say it's uh, one has been the uh, books have been uh, big, you know, when I was younger. But I had the great experience of oh gosh, I worked at Colonial Williamsburg for about uh, fifteen years as one of the craftsmen there, and. Not only did I was I able to walk down the street and there's a master cooper, uh, the cabinet makers, master cabinet makers, uh, blacksmiths, silversmiths, you know, just these really high end artisans. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> so I was in their company just, you know, uh, at the at the lowest end of the totem pole. But how wonderful that was. But also just all the people I would see two or three thousand people a day, two thousand, wow. that to say, uh, coming through 
dealing with the building and the joinery and the uh, working with the old tools. And they were, were people from all over the world. And every one of them had stories to share about grandparents back in the old country or when they were a prisoner of the Germans during the Second World War and having to cut wood. You know, it's just everybody has this in their lives. So when you really open up and you're doing this, the woodworking uh, where, where folks are around, everybody's got something to teach you. Everybody's your hero. Everybody inspires you. Uh, it just got to be open to it. And be, uh, gosh, that's why I, I love it so much. I think it connects with such deep, positive feelings in everybody. And, and is that uh, nice? To be- it is. That's great. I mean, you get, you get there. You're right. You meet so many different people and they've got so many different stories on it. And, and you know, you were, you were talking about being up there. I mean, is that, is that where you kind of really honed your, I mean, you're, you're known for being a, a showman and stuff. Is that kind of uh, where you honed that? Yeah. You got a live audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I got to say, you know, uh, I missed it, you know, because I stopped doing that for, and that's when I uh, started this little school. I've got all that input again from other woodworkers and boy, has that helped, uh, improve, uh, the quality of, of what I'm able to share in the television. I've got all these, you know, people in the, in the classes and people coming in, uh, not only, you know, am I trying out just dumb material on them, but <laughs> they, everybody has so much to offer and you say, Oh, you're going to hear that on the show. Oh, that's a great line. <laughs> you know. So, you, you know, we, you need to enrich your life with people, I think, in order to have something to share, really. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of obvious to say, uh, but there's, you can get yourself in a place where you're not in the company of a lot of folks. And I think being a lonely woodworker down in the basement is, you know, also lonely. That's why yeah. your show is so important. So we, we tell ourselves. We, 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 keep t- we keep telling Tom's mom that, and so far she keeps listening. So, uh, so my mom we... loves the show. Sure. Yeah, she's got to let, but she's got to let you out of the basement. That's right. You know how long it took me to get out of the basement? <laughs> it took me a while. No way. Now, now, Roy, you know, I'd be remiss. You, you just mentioned, you know, being a showman and, and, and doing your thing. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about one of the books that nobody would ever expect you to write. It was a book called Khrushchev's Shoe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Roy, it was, it, let me just read this. Let me just read the, uh, the, the little uh, subheading, the subtitle of it. It's Khrushchev's Shoe and Other Ways to Captivate an Audience of One to One Thousand. Uh. Roy, talk to me about the inspiration for this. And I got to tell you, just so you know, I read the book. It was awesome. Oh, well, thank you. The, oh man, the, uh, the title I had for the book. Now, this is it. If you want to just, I think publishing very often, uh, cures the desire to write. Uh, (laughs) It is really like having your baby kidnapped by space aliens, you know, and turned into something (laughs) else. The original title of the book was called, uh, uh, engaging intelligence, the minds on method to the aha moment. I thought that was better, but in any case, it tells more of what it's about. I, I wanted to, uh, learned, uh, working with people at Williamsburg that the audience has work to do and it's your job to provide that work. That's what engagement is. Uh, when you do a joke, you're setting up the work 
for the person who gets the joke to do. That's their their work is to get it to make those connections. So that's what the book's about. Uh, what is the work of your audience, mm-hmm. and you know how do you minimize the bad work? The you know just sorting out disorder, confusion, noise. You want to get rid of that, but you want to bring in lots of satisfying work of solving puzzles, of making connections, deep understandings. Ah, oh, it was great. And you see that look on people's faces when it works. Uh, it'll make you want to write a book about it. It's great. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, so my, but my, thank my... you for buying it. You, you were the, that makes three people who bought that. Three, book. Yeah, so, makes, I, I was, so I was I pleased to be that copy. I'm sorry. I, no, no, I was pleased to be the third person to buy it. I'll, I'll tell you this, Roy, as my, my day job is not woodworking. It's actually emergency management. And I've got ah. a very difficult, I've got a very difficult job where I have to convince people in one of the most densely populated coastal counties in Florida. When a hurricane comes, you have to evacuate. And I've turned to that book time and again for tips on how to get my audience engaged and get them to understand <laughs> what the hell I'm talking about. So I want to thank you well, from the bottom of my heart. Oh, uh, that's the first lesson we talked about a minute ago is carry an axe with you. <laughs> <laughs> now, would that giant mallet work also, or does it have to be an axe? I think so. You say, I said evacuate. <laughs> and I people you, I, get the message. <laughs> there you go. I so love the axe. Get the big mallet. <laughs> everything you I, like the axe too much, Chris. I know. Everything, all my pictures end up with me with an axe in my hand. And some guy sends me a message a while back and goes, do you have a thing for axes? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has a, every man has a thing for axes. You can't help it. That's the, that's the manly thing. Gosh, I don't know. I, I, I have a concealed axe permit. You do. That's good. I'm glad to see you're carrying. <laughs> so you just keep that hatchet handy for yourself just in case. Oh, oh the tree man. might jump out and get you. You never know, Roy. Uh, well, you know, is it funny? I, I saw, who was it? Um, oh gosh, they're out on the West Coast, but nevertheless, they had, uh, on their cover, their catalog, they said these veterlings throwing axes, all right, so axe throwing, double-bitted throwing axes, competition, and they had them on sale for, I think, 145 bucks. They absolutely overloaded, wiped, I mean, they, they had to stop because the desire for throwing axes was so huge in this country <laughs> that the Swedish factories could and that was it. They just had to cancel all the orders and say, I'm wow. sorry. There's not enough access. There's not enough steel in Sweden to make all that we need. That's how I well, that you, gives you me never, hope for America. You can, you can never tell about the repressed urges of people. Absolutely. But that's the best part about it. It usually ends with an axe. Let's get what, what is it? What did you say? It was a unisaw? Oh, yeah. Big unisaw. Unisaw. Okay. That's what I need. I need my throwing axes. That would be the target. We're going to throw axes at a unisaw come W. <laughs> no offense, <laughs> unisaw people. I'm sure they're great, but yeah. Those folks at Delta won't mind. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's... Well, you know, oh, it's Roy, great. there's room Roy, for the unisaws and the broad axes. That's what's wonderful about it's a, woodworkers. It is a big test. That is, that's, that's why we're woodworkers because there's no wrong way. Yeah, Roy? absolutely. <laughs> Roy, or maybe there you, is. Now I've I've got to, I've got to end. I'm, we're coming up on we're pushing up our time here, right? But I do want to let you know. You'd mentioned you know being in the you'd mentioned Star Wars earlier. You alluded to it earlier. First of all, we want to see a shirt of you holding a lightsaber because we're all going to wear it. <laughs> That's my axe. 
I have my and, and, yeah, there we go. And the other thing I'm going to I'm going to leave you with uh, before before we leave uh, is is a warning you left for me last year, which was uh, beware of the Imperial Norm Troopers. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we we're supposed to watch out for trees. Hey, it's one or the other. I'm not sure which. But... Uh, oh, bless. Norm. So so Roy, we've we've got to episode 40 on our podcast here, and now that you're on, uh, I think we're just going to have to call it quits. <laughs> Oh my God! Okay. Well, congratulations. <laughs> well, well for, either we're going to call it quits. Either we're going to call it quits, or all get axes at this point. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I've true. already got my axe, so you two are. Uh, I gotta get off my by next. Well, I guess I'll see you guys out there in Kentucky. Where everybody, bring your axe now. <laughs> I'll be sure to pack it in the luggage. I was going to say that. <laughs> the, the, the carry on. Your carry on, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Chris, can you uh, can you pick up some axes for us since you're driving? <laughs> hey, I'm driving, and I've got uh, right now. I've, I've got some some broad axes that I'm supposed to be reviewing, and uh, so I've got about about six axes in the shop. So. Perfect. Are you kidding? Are you reviewing broad axes for I, real? I I am. I uh, I'll have to talk to you about this because well, uh, bring. I I may have to bring them up. Log, let you take a look some, at them. We'll we'll give them, we'll put them to the test. You know what? There couldn't be a better review with with uh, you know chopping up this log up there. So <laughs> yeah. Well, this is broad axe. Uh, well, I, that's great. Well, I look forward to to this. This is wonderful. Well, uh, Roy. We we cannot we cannot wait to see you up in up in Kentucky. Travel safely. Hey, you guys too, and everybody out there. I would look forward to seeing you. That's great, and thanks for having me with you. I appreciate it. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. Thank Ray. you so much. All right, so long. Wow, right. wow, that was so cool. <laughs> we can retire. We're done. <laughs> How do you follow that, Roy, Roy Underhill, with a with a with a lightsaber? For God's <laughs> sake! How do you top that? <laughs> Well, we are going to try to attempt to top that at episode 41. We're going to be doing that uh, from uh, the day before Woodworking in America begins. So uh, uh, actually, this will be the first time that Chris Atkins and I actually see each other face to face. The world will end. I, I With a broad axe in our hands. I can see it <laughs> happening right now. So, so, be, so be sure to, oh my goodness. So be sure to tune in for that one. It's definitely one you do not want to miss. Um, now, if you want to find us, you can go to the modern Association.com and there's also a donate button on the upper right hand side. Please give what you can because what we're doing is we're trying to line up uh, some recording equipment for this, uh, for this upcoming WIA and other uh, events we attend. So please, you guys have been very generous so far and we're for sure we're going to recognize you on the air. And, um, that just about wraps it up for the show. So, uh, if you're missing us already, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes. Just search the modern woodworkers association. Once you subscribe, you'll be sure to never miss another exciting episode. This one was going to take the cake. Um, while you're in iTunes, please be sure to leave us a five-star rating. It helps our rank so others can find us more easily. If you want to find more about the Modern Woodworkers Association, be sure to visit modernwoodworkersassociation.com. Follow the MWA on Twitter at MWA underscore national. You can like the MWA on Facebook or circle the Modern Woodworkers Association on Google+. And while you're there, you can join the MWA Google Plus community for project-sharing discussion and loads of woodworking banter. And now the community features Chris's endorsement. <laughs> and, and so until next time, I'm Chris Atkins of HighRockWoodworking.com, or you can find me at HighRockWW on Twitter and all those other places. I'm Diami Plotke of PenultimateWoodshop.com. 
I am at Diame Plotke. That's D-Y-A-M-I-P-L-O-T-K-E on the Twitters. And I'm the resident shop monkey, Tom Iovino of Tom'sWorkbench.com. And uh, at Tom's Workbench on Twitter, I don't know how we're going to follow this one up, but we'll see what we can do. Until then, we wish you all happy sawdust. Thanks for listening. Thanks.